Well, obviously Einstein was great. We have a lot of information, which is kind of easy to sift through. His impact on physics, everyone had to rewrite physics books because of him. A lot of his discoveries helped to the creation of the television, the iPad, you know, uh, all these things uh, subsequently came from this discovery. The discovery of, uh, of E equals MC squared came to, you know, nuclear warfare, the end of World War II, the Cold War. So he really had a huge impact. It's kind of hard to find an important part of the 20th century that he didn't at least have, you know, a hand in. So I think he was just a brilliant mind. I think, I honestly think if he was back in Isaac Newton's time, I think he would have been similar to Isaac Newton and Isaac Newton would have been similar to him today. I think they were both pretty genius. I think Isaac Newton was a little bit more aloof and silly, but so was so was Albert Einstein. Seems like he was a little bit silly, wearing kind of funny clothes, you know, and moving around. But yeah, I think most, I think... Uh, Morality-wise, we talked about him being a womanizer, you know, um, and I don't know how courageous he was, you know. I, I mean, he ran away from Hitler. I, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to really... Targeted to be killed. Exactly. I don't know what you're going to, you know. I think it was, it did take uh, bravery to stand up to centuries and centuries of almost, you could say, doctrine in the science, yeah, the field of science and physics, and refuting or, or like we said changing some of Newtonian physics I think that takes some courage but honestly mostly it was just I think he was gifted with yeah. an amazing intellect it looks like he worked hard but didn't look like he worked that hard I think he just had a thirst for knowledge and he had the ability to accept knowledge when it was given to him yeah common thing for Einstein uh, with the other people we, and we've talked about this is a search for truth he really wanted to figure out you know he wanted to find out what was true and he wanted to find things that people hadn't discovered before and we've talked about this with, with Lincoln and with others where we kind of wonder whether they would have been as successful in other time periods as they were in the one that they lived in it's a fun it's a fun thought experiment yeah and I think that the brilliance of Albert Einstein makes it so that he could have, he, he would have been super influential in any time period. I agree. Um, and so that kind of differentiates him from people like we talked about Abraham Lincoln, who was kind of put in a situation that he had to deal with and he did great with it, but who knows, you know, he would have just probably been a normal guy if he just lived any other time. But Albert Einstein, the, yeah, and you talked about his courage, and I think his courage would be in his willingness to defy the consensus, to kind of go against what people were doing in public schools, you know, thinking, like, we can't put everybody in a box. Like, I want to study the things that I want to study. Mm -hmm. I don't want to study the things that my teachers tell me to study. Sure. Yeah. And that's what led to his discoveries, because he was willing to just follow his own mind and think about the things that he wanted to think about and it led to these discoveries like the theory of relativity and exactly. things that had such a huge influence on on everything in the, in the 20th century like you said it seems like if you we need to walk down the beaten path for a good amount of time we need to learn we need to be safe it's it's reckless to go off too soon but no great discovery is ever found on the beaten path you have to go off you have to explore and you're going to be ridiculed People are going to call you crazy. People might kill you, literally. But that's where the truth lies. 
out there, and it seems like it's like a theme, you know, that they yeah. can go against the the norm, and they have the courage to do so. I think that's something that they have to do is you you, you prepare for that moment, right, and then you get to the point where you see this other direction that you can go. Like there's something out there that you can't see yet, but you believe it's there, you think it's there, you kind of have this vision of what you can accomplish if you go down this alternate path that no one's ever gone down before. And it's risky, like you say, but that's what you have to do in order to... Be on this list. Be on this list and be a world changer. Well, that's all we got today for Einstein. Catch us next time. Thanks for listening. Follow, and, subscribe, and, and, and please comment. Uh, send us some emails and let us know who you think we should do. Yeah, send us some feedback if you have any ideas about different things we can do or different uh, parts of the show of each episode. Let us know. And if you want to date Brett, he's single, so just you know, leave a comment. two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is that as though everything is a miracle. Only Sith steal in absolutes. <laughs> nice little Star Wars there. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good course. Unthinking respect for authority is the greatest enemy of truth. Wait, say that again. Un- unthinking. Unthinking, pretty much blind respect of authority is oh. the greatest enemy of truth. Really, really cool. I feel like a lo- another constant thing we haven't really talked about is these people, well, it goes along with this. Great sp- is another quote. Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Mm-hmm. Last week, we just talked about Socrates, how he was put to death. The week before that, we talked about Julius Caesar, how he was murdered by people around him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. It's really interesting to see people who go against the grain and the people don't like it. It's really, isn't that, it seems like a theme almost. Yeah, absolutely. The people kind of fear the, they're either jealous or they, they, they fear the implications of what these people are saying. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting thing about. If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. Yeah, I definitely do not understand the theory of relativity. (laughs) Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Sounds a little similar to Socrates last week. What did Socrates say? Just, well, he was talking about virtue. Yeah. And now that was, that was the, obtaining virtue, I guess you could say value, you know? You, uh... Sort of like virtue over wealth. Exactly. Okay. If you want your children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. If you want them to be more intelligent, read them more fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. So, yeah. So read fantasy. I love fantasy. Me too. It's my favorite genre. Same. I have always feel bad, but I like it. No, but it's Einstein, the, man. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> Shout out to Brandon Sanderson. If you hear this, write me into your books. <laughs> we'll put you on, a, on an episode. Oh, that would be the coolest. Talk about Tolkien or Shakespeare or something. 
Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Yeah, that's one we see a lot nowadays, right? We talk about kind of the education system, how we try to fit everybody in a box. I think that was one of Einstein's big things was that's why he didn't really like school was because they were trying to just fit him in a box. And mm-hmm. He's like, listen, I'm Einstein. I'm Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I'm going to be? <laughs> they didn't know. Um, a clever person solves a problem. A wide, a wise person, <laughs> not a wide person. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll start over. A clever person solves a problem. A wise person avoids it. Hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> a wide person wouldn't be able to avoid it. They would not avoid it. <laughs> All religions, arts, and sciences are branches of the same tree. Oh, that's cool. I feel like we talked about somebody that said something similar to that. I mean, Leonardo was, kind Leonardo of... Leonardo da Vinci, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. You know, he felt that everything kind of connected. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys, another theme I see is truth, that they pursue truth. Mm-hmm. And... In any form. Was it Newton, Newton who said, Plato is my friend, Socrates is my friend, but my best friend is truth. truth. Yeah. And, you know, here he says, like, if you conform, you know, that could be an enemy of truth. And it seems like they all pursue this truth, and it seems like the tree is truth and religion and arts and sciences are just branches of it. Ways of looking at it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, going along with kind of mentioning religion, it's uh, this one says, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. Science? Say it again. Science without religion is lame. Can't move. <laughs> oh, that's what he means. <laughs> yeah. So think of the Bible sense of lame, not, not what we say today. Okay. Uh, Religion without science is blind. That's cool. Yeah, so you need both of them. Yeah. A man should look for what is and not for what he thinks should be. So just don't be biased. Mm. I have no special talents. I am only passionately curious. That's a cool one, too. It's a good one. Because Leonardo was super curious. Yeah. Yeah. And Newton, too. And Newton was curious. Yeah, those are both pretty good ones. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity that's cool it's just the way you look at it yeah that's all I got you got any more oh perfect nice okay let's go on to some fun stories alright so I teased at this one earlier when Einstein died the there was a man named what was his name sorry Thomas Harvey I think yep Thomas Harvey from Princeton stole his brain during the autopsy what? He stole his brain. And Sold it on eBay or what? <laughs> maybe. Now, what they say, well, what I read is that he eventually got the permission of, Einstein, of Albert Einstein's son mm. to cut up the brain and send pieces of it to different researchers to, to study it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I read that these Canadian scientists who were studying his brain found that his inferior parietal lobe, mm-hmm. the area that processes spatial relationships, 3D visualization, and mathematical thought, was 15% wider than in people with normal intelligence. Did you see that? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It sounds kind of like a stretch. What's 15% wider of a centimeter? You know, like a hair? Hey, 15% though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, you know? I mean, if it's true, it could, it could be a... Could be a story, but... So where's his brain? 
I know. Uh, just, I read that. just everywhere? It's, well, it's in pieces, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, so one f- cool story was, so Einstein comes up with these theories, and people are trying to refute them. And that's just what they do in science. It's nothing personal. Sometimes it is. I mean, remember uh, Isaac Newton hated some people who, you know, made fun of his yeah. publications on optics and Can stuff. But so what happens is he has his theory, and according to this theory, the starlight next to suns, when a star is next to a sun, it'll, it'll bend. It won't be in the place that it's supposed to be. Pretty much, remember we talked about that bowling ball? As the light is passing um, the sun, it'll get bent a little bit. And so one guy, his name was Sir Frank Dyson, and well, two guys, Sir Arthur Eddington, uh, I think it was mostly Arthur Eddington, they came up with this experiment. And they said, you know what, why don't we wait for a solar ex- eclipse? The moon's going to cover the sun, and we have to wait for that because then we can see the stars that are next to the sun. Yeah. And then we can compare those to those same stars when they're not next to the sun and see if they'll be in the same position. So they go down there, and this guy got a bunch of hate. People were so mad that he was trying to refute I, uh, Isaac Newton. And I'm, I'm being honest. It was like when I said that, I, that uh, Isaac Newton was like the Jesus Christ of science. That's a pretty good analogy because going against him was like blasphemy. And people, when he presented his stuff, he showed it and the stars were in different positions. So it proved that the light had bent and wasn't where it was supposed to be. And people got up and walked out. But what's funny is after he did this, six years after the eclipse, more than 600 books and articles were written about the theory of relativity. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. just exploded. And in a moment, Einstein is this celebrity. And everyone in the science community and a lot of people in the normal world are raving about him. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, one, uh, one cool story about his childhood was uh, a lot of people think that he flunked out of school, but he didn't actually flunk out of school. He just didn't really like school. Like We talked about that. But he was usually at the top of his class. He's super smart. Um, but... He, yeah, like people were like, yeah, he didn't really learn math. Like he figured it out later. But then, but he said, before I was fifteen, I had mastered differential and integral calculus. <laughs> He's like, yeah, not so much. Like I was pretty smart. <laughs> like I knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah. So that billboard that you pass in the freeway, where it's like, he's not As that a child. He was no Einstein. Yes, yeah. that's not true. Not true. Um, let me see what else I got here. I got a funny story. He said his, he was heading off to work, and his wife was suggesting that he dress more professionally. He said, why should I? And he said, everyone knows me at work. And then when uh, a little while later he came for, he was about to go to a major conference and she begged him to dress up better. And he said, why should I? No one knows me there. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just like a funny guy. (laughs) Yeah, both ways. Uh, We mentioned his daughter. So she was, they say that she was illegitimate, that she was born a year before he and his first wife actually got married. And no one knows what happened to her. She kind of disappeared. And so a couple of explanations are that she may have died of scarlet fever in 1903, um, or they may have given her up for adoption. But it's kind of this weird mystery. And apparently they, like, people didn't even discover that she had existed until, like, the 1980s. Wow. Yeah. The last story I got was in 1905, he, uh, Albert Einstein, he deduced that when two clocks were brought together and synchronized and one was moved away and brought back, the clock which had 
uh, gone away would be found to be a lagging behind the clock, which had stayed, and he used this to kind of talk about that relativity and time based on speed and gravity. And so people have done this test a lot. In 1971, these two physicists, well, a physicist and astronomer, they took four cesium beam atomic clocks. So just to give you a little background, an atomic clock is so accurate, it's like the pendulum on a grandfather clock moving 9 billion times for every one second. So that's, that's how far down, that's how accurate. And it has to go that accurate for them to see some differences, right? Yeah. Anyways, they took them in these commercial airliners, and they flew twice around the world, first eastward and westward, and they compared the clocks. And when reunited, the three sets of clocks were all found to disagree with one another, and their differences were consistent with the predictions of special and general relativity. Nice. So this isn't like, when, when Einstein proposed these things, they were theories. And, and I... I'm not going to define the terms of theories and facts and stuff, but the point is that these have been proven yeah. over and over again. It's kind of exciting. That's cool. They brought the clocks back, and one had gone in the future, like nine nanoseconds, and the other one had gone in the past. Same amount. It's like I think this is where they got the idea with Superman. Remember when he flies around the Earth and goes back in time? No. Is that in the It's in the, the old movie? one, in the old oh, movies. Okay. Yeah, he flies around the uh, – who's his girl? Lo- Lois Lane or whatever? Yeah. She dies or something, and he flies around the earth super fast like 10 times and goes back in time. And it sounds the like – To save her. sounds ridiculous, but it's like – it's kind of what they did. It's, you know? Interesting. Pretty interesting. That's cool. I got a few more. Okay, yeah. Uh, one is when he divorced his first wife, he part of the settlement was that he had to give up his Nobel Prize money. If he it was if he ever won the Nobel Prize, he would have to give her the money. I'll do the same thing. Yeah. Hey, listen, if I ever win the Nobel Prize, you can have well, it. It seems like he probably thought that he would. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like I don't know. I guess it's the win-win. You win the Nobel Prize, you're famous. Yeah. It's like he probably didn't. You get a lot of money though. I think. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, the FBI spied on him for like 20 years. After, what? He, after he moved to America. Yeah, well, they were they were suspicious of him because... He was German. He was German. He came to America, like, right when the Nazis came to power. Yeah. And super smart. He could have been developing weapons or something and, like, sort of an, a spy in the U.S., so... Another one I have is Einstein in 1939 wrote a letter to Franklin D. Roosevelt mm-hmm. to yeah. alert him of the possibility of a Nazi bomb. And he told the United States to start creating its own nuclear weapons. So remember his his theory about these you know a lot of energy being in small particles. That's what the creation of the nuclear bomb came from. And so they right. made the Manhattan Project, which is that secret project about creating the first nuclear bomb. And we we did we're the yeah. f- first ones and only ones ever to. Yeah, and then use he it. well after the bomb was dropped, right? He sort of in the years after that he became an advocate for con- really controlling. Yeah, our use just being careful. He, he didn't participate in the project directly. Right, he was sort of a pacifist. He was a pacifist. Yeah. He was a nice guy. A womanizer, pacifist genius. <laughs> yeah. Another fun thing was, didn't he join the NAACP? NAACP, yeah. So pretty much like black rights kind of. Yeah, because he, he, he saw a lot of similarities between how the Jews were treated in, in Nazi Germany and how the blacks, the blacks. were treated in America. Yeah, so he really stuck up for him. So he wanted to advocate for, for blacks in America. Okay. The last one I've got is that the Israeli government offered him the position of president in 1952 to cool. be the president of Israel. Yeah, he was like, because in that. 1952 he was like 73, so he was pretty old. And he was like, nah. <laughs> He's like, That's awesome. He said, he wrote a letter to the Israeli ambassador and said, all my life I've dealt with objective matters. 
Hence, I lack both the natural aptitude and the experience to deal properly with people and to exercise official function. He's like, yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah, facts. Yeah. Cool. So. Cool. Well, let's head on and just briefly discuss why we think he was great. Welcome back to World Changers. I'm Steven. I'm Brett. And today we're going to talk about a guy whose brain was stolen after he died. Get out. No, it's true. I didn't know that. <laughs> this is probably the greatest scientist of all time. He's German. He's Swiss. He's American. We don't know. He says he's just a world citizen. We're talking about Albert Einstein. Yep. One of the greats. One of the, probably the most influential scientists in the 19th, 20th century. Easy. For sure. Yeah. And arguably the greatest of all time, some say. We, I guess we'll argue today. We'll argue about it. All right, let's jump in. We're going to start off with a summary of his life, follow that up with his greatest accomplishments. So if you're doing a paper on Einstein, in the next 10 minutes you'll have, a good enough, you'll have enough content to probably get like a B plus. Yeah, B minus. In the so Bs. Guaranteed solid Bs. B, solid. Okay, let's jump right in. You, Albert Einstein was born on March 14th, 1879 in Württemberg. Germany. Is he the most recent person we've done? I think he is. I uh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln was, but he yeah, was. Lincoln and Darwin were around the same time, eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. He cool. Was recent. Awesome. So he grew up uh, Jewish in a secular Jewish family. His father, uh, Herman Einstein, he was a salesman, engineer. Um, one of uh, his brothers founded. I'm not going to say that name. Electro. Actually. It looks scary, but it looks like it's just English. Electrotechnische Fabrik and Einstein. Anyways, they started a, a company that manufactured electrical equipment. Yeah. Albert's mother, she uh, ran the family household. Yeah, he attended elementary school in Munich. He didn't really like school, though there, there's kind of a... Uh, like people think that he struggled in school, but he didn't really struggle. He was really smart. It said that he struggled with the institution's rigid pedagogical style so it wasn't so much like he couldn't understand things it was just the the format of the schooling yeah, like they were trying to fit everybody in a box kind of thing and exactly we'll talk about some quotes about that too he uh, he had a tutor a kind of an informal tutor sort of a family friend yeah. that, sort of, that introduced him to science when he was about 10 years old when uh, in the, the mid 1890s so at this point you know he's like 15 or 16 they uh, relocate and they head over to Milan, Italy, because of yeah, his dad's work. But Albert stayed behind, right, to finish school. Uh-huh, yeah. And th- this is when Albert was about 15 or 16. So he's he's a, he stayed with a relative. Yeah, he's a he, uh, relative's boarding house. He's in Munich, and he completes his school schooling at uh, Luitpold Gymnasium. Yeah. Well, he, he uh, well, yeah. Well, he was supposed to, yeah. He was supposed to, right? He yeah. withdrew from his classes, uh used a doctor's note claiming nervous exhaustion to dodge the, the military draft. Yeah. And then he went and joined his family in Italy. So at this point, just so you know, he is a school dropout and a draft dodger. Yeah. So his parents are kind of like, oh, it's not looking, his future is not looking bright for this guy. Yeah. But he gets admitted to a, a, a school in Zurich, a, a college university in Zurich, the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School. And he probably got in mostly because of his great scores in the math and math and physics on the entrance exam. Did really good. Yeah. Yeah. But he still had to finish his pre-college education, so he did it in Switzerland. And yeah. 
And about the same time, too, he actually renounces his German citizenship and becomes a Swiss citizen. Yeah, that was in the year 1900, so yeah. he was about 21. So after he graduates, uh, he's actually kind of faced with some challenges finding an academic position. He didn't really like teaching. He just liked researching, like studying on his own. So he's kind of having a hard time finding a position in the classroom. Oh gosh, I watched A Beautiful Mind the other day. Yeah. You remember that movie? It's a great movie. Yeah, he just reminds me, kind of reminds me of totally. John Nash in a lot of ways. Princeton. Anyway. Oh, cool, yeah. yeah. He, didn't, he didn't want to teach either. He just wanted to study, do his own thing. Well, he eventually finds work. In 1902, he receives a um, position as a clerk in a patent office. And this was kind of a dream for him because he had plenty of time working there to explore ideas and uh, and go over, you know, a lot of theories and, and kind of it's pretty much a job like in college on campus, you know, a secretary where you, you don't really do anything. You just get to he could just study on his own and do homework. He wanted to do. Exactly, yeah. A year later, in 1903, he married Milena Maric. She was a Serbian physics student. He met a school in Zurich. Yeah, so she was. Yeah, she knew physics pretty well. Their relationship was okay. They uh, they had a daughter, which no one knows what happened yeah, to that. We'll probably talk more about that later. Yeah, it's kind of weird, weird situation. They had a couple kids, and then he was uh, cheating on her. He had an affair with his first cousin, yeah. who. Who else was it that had had a relationship with their first cousin? talked about. Did Someone else? did, yeah. We'll get back to you on that. That's weird anyways. Um, Somebody comment and tell us who it was. Yeah, tell us who that was we talked about. But this affair with his first cousin leads to his divorce with his first wife. He ends up marrying his first cousin who he has affairs on her. Is that, is that the problem? Yeah, he, che- he cheated on her. Cheated on her as well. With multiple women. He liked women. Yeah. He was a womanizer. Well, he was also pretty famous at this point. So he was a sure. celebrity. He was married to his cousin until she died in 1936. Also, it was Darwin that married his first cousin. That's right. Nice. So, like we said, 1902, he gets this job as a clerk. And for the next, you know, 15, 20 years, he's going to be publishing a lot of papers. We're kind of going to go into that a little bit more. But he he, uh, changes the world of physics and science, shatters it, shakes the world. He wins the Nobel Prize in, was it 1921? 1921. Wins a Nobel Prize, and he, people win a Nobel Prize every year, okay? I don't know who won the Nobel Prize last year for physics. He didn't just win a Nobel Prize. He changed the world. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but his, his discoveries shook the world. So it was such a big deal that once some of his theories were, what's the word? Proven? Once some of his theories were proven, you know, there were hundreds of papers about him, hundreds of articles going into his studies. It was like, it'd honestly be similar to if someone found a new continent. And once we found out it's true, everyone wants to talk about it. It was like that big of a deal. Uh, you know, finding a new continent for explorers, what he did to physics was that big of a deal. It's the Christopher Columbus of physics. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And so he... Uh, he ended up, he goes to America in 19... Well, so he's he's Jewish, right? So... Um, around the beginning of the 1930s, late 1920s, the Nazis start coming to power, and uh, so he ended up fleeing to America mm-hmm. in 1933. Taught at Princeton for the rest, for most of the rest of his life. Yeah, and uh, he played a little bit part, a small part, I guess, in the creation of the atom bomb. Yep, and which is kind of crazy to think that he was German, and he came in, in to America, and we got the atom bomb. Who? Would, what could have happened if? 
Hitler would have got the atom bomb. Yeah, I know, right? That's scary to think about. But he lived in America the rest of his life. He, um, he, he spent a lot of his life working on, the rest of his life working on some other theories and kind of Mm -hmm. developing his own, his other theories as well. Uh, in April, on April 18th, 1955, he dies at the age of 76 at the medical center at Princeton. Ouch, sounds bad. Sounds really painful. The cool thing about Einstein is that he got to see his fame in his lifetime. Yeah. I think some people, Socrates, for example, has no idea the impact or Buddha that they had on the world. And Einstein was a celebrity. Everyone loved him. He was famous. And so that was kind of lucky for him that he got to kind of revel in that for yeah, a period of time. Yeah, of his uh, influence he saw. Okay, well... Let's head on to, uh, let's go over some of his accomplishments and his greatest works. So, why don't you start? Yeah, so in 1905 was kind of a banner year. He published four papers, and two of them outlined uh, two of his most famous um, contributions to science. One of those was the formula E equals MC squared, which is mass... Or no, sorry, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. So what does that mean? So that would, it sort of explains the, how the how much energy can be in small particles. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's right. That? Yeah, so it, what he's saying is that in these very small molecules, if somehow they harness immense amounts of energy, yeah, astronomical amounts, and this is what led to that's how um, nuclear bombs were made right and so that's what that's what they do they get you know this uranium and they split it and it causes these reactions and the energy is released one time I calculated how much energy was in my 160 pound body like how much I, if I could explode spontaneously <laughs> yeah. combust I can't remember it's a lot it's a lot of energy but it's an interesting idea I mean it's not even an idea it's a proven fact you have to like trap it into a small area or something to put a lot of pressure for it to to release, yeah. Um, yeah, that's like dealing with like nuclear fission, like the separation of them and the nuclear oh, fusion. Yeah. It's probably a little bit too dense for this podcast. And the reason I say that is I don't really know the answer. Um, if if we get enough, I do. I just don't want to say it. Yeah, we just don't want to confuse. It's it's too much, you know. You talked about 1905 when he published these two uh, these big papers. A lot of people referred to that year as the miracle year. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah so that was kind of cool. Um, and EMC squared, yeah, so pretty much teeny particles of matter can be converted into huge amounts of energy. And okay. that's how an atom bomb's made. Do you want to talk a little bit about the special theory of relativity and kind of what that means? I'll talk about it a little bit, yeah. So Einstein, he helped to explain that time and motion are relative to their observers. So, folks, we're not going to get too in-depth. Uh, we're trying to do, you know, superficial biographies about famous people. Some of this stuff's really interesting, and some of it is definitely over our head. But yeah, that was the main point, is that as long as the speed of light remains constant and natural laws are the same throughout the universe, time and motion are relative. So pretty much time travel can exist. One way to think about it, there's the story of, of uh, the, the paradox of two twins, and one gets on a spaceship that travels at the speed of light and comes back in like a couple years and his twin brother who stayed on Earth is, you know, 70 years old. Or he's much older than him, and he's only aged two years. Yeah. And so 
think of the movie Interstellar. You've seen that when they go out to that planet that's really close to a black hole. Anyway, it kind of warps time, and so they get back to the ship, and it's been like 20 years, even though they were down there for like 30 minutes. Another kind of simple way to think about it is, and I read that Einstein said this, I don't know if it's true or not, but that you can, you can sit down with a friend and talk for an hour, and it feels like five minutes. Or I, I heard it was a girl, a cute girl. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we know how much Einstein liked girls, but yeah. Uh, or you can put your hand on a hot stove, and that and it feels like for like two seconds, and it feels like it was there for an hour. You know exactly. And yeah, it's relative. So a big part about his theory was what we guys, what you guys have to understand is we did Newton. Well, after Newton lived, the legacy he had was equivalent to a saint. A he prophet. Was, he was the Michael Jordan of science. Easy. He was he was the the Jesus Christ of science, to be honest. Yeah, he was that big a deal. And so Newton comes in, and there were a few things that that Newton couldn't explain. He made he invented he discovered gravity. No one had understood gravity at all. So he defines gravity and what it is. He cannot define why it acts the way it does. And according to Newton's laws, they made sense all around the Earth. But once you got into bigger celestial spheres and, and celestial bodies, they, they stopped. They started to get a little fuzzy. One in particular was, I think it was the orbit of Mercury. That was a little bit off. His predictions, his equations didn't fit it. And so some people you know, said, oh, no, it's fine. It's Newton. You know, it's blasphemy to go against him. Well, Einstein, um, I don't want to say Einstein challenged him, but... Like I said, Newton, he said, um, gravity must be caused by an agent acting constantly according to certain laws. But what that agent is that is causing gravity, Newton couldn't answer. And, and Einstein wrote in his memoirs, he said, Newton, forgive me. You found the only way which, in your age, was just about possible for a man of highest thought and creative power. So he's saying, hey, man, I'm I'm adding or you know kind of poking some holes in, in your theories and... But you did amazing for what you were given. Yeah, this doesn't take away from kind Newton. Of harking back to, to Newton's own quote, which is that he he stood on the shoulders of giants in order to accomplish what he did. So Einstein was being humble enough to recognize that as well. He wasn't he wasn't totally replacing what Newton did. He was building on it and filling in kind of the holes and exactly expanding it a little bit. It's cool that Newton said that that quote, and and then Einstein stood on his shoulders. Yeah. But the, the general idea, folks, is that. There is gravity, and Newton couldn't figure out what caused it. Einstein's theory is that um, gravity, and, and there's space, and, and, and in space, there it's, think of it like a trampoline. Mm-hmm. I like the trampoline thing. And the sun is sitting in the middle of the trampoline, and it cause, it, it dips down I into like the trampoline. Ball, like the, the bowling ball. ball in the middle of the trampoline, and it kind of, it, it, it warps it. Exactly. It warps the space around it, so then you put a marble on the edge of it, and kind of spin it around at the right speed, it's just going to, it's going to orbit around and just spin around the, uh, but it's always falling towards the center, towards that bowling ball. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. Earth is perpetually falling. Um, our, our satellites are perpetually falling around Earth. It's kind of hard to imagine that. We kind of think they're just flying and they, they're, they're using an engine, but they are falling yeah. forever. And so we can kind of go into this a little bit more in some cool stories Sure. To explain some things, but th- those are pretty much the basic things. So, you know, his the time and motion are relative. That he talked about gravity and this curved field in the space time, like a fabric in space. And the bigger the object was, the more it would it would warp and dip, sink into this fabric. Yeah. And the last little thing, um, some say this is the best discovery of all. So I got to mention it. But the um, 
Brownian movement, which is just talks about the movement of particles, and it helped to prove the existence of atoms and molecules. So the point is, you guys don't need to understand all these things. What you need to understand is this guy was hitting, he was like, you know, 10 for 10. This guy was just crushing it, crushing it, and making these amazing things. And, And Newton took us, you know, for hundreds of years, but he still couldn't explain it all. And Einstein took us maybe... You know, for the next couple hundred years. So, should we move on to some cool stories? Let's go on to some fun. Are we going to do quotes first? That's right. Let's do some quotes. Do some quotes.